Here's your host, Alex Garrett. All right, let's kick this off. I don't want to wait any longer today. It is a week, a week until the ADA celebrates 32 years of existence. But as I've said before, and as we've had guests on before that say, we have a long way to go 32 years later. But I'll tell you what, as someone who has had a girlfriend in a power wheelchair, and we've flown together twice, uh, and I've seen the process for which the power wheelchair has to go through, and she has to go through to get into and out of the plane, um, I couldn't help but think about the passenger, the airline, the disabled flying rights. Basically, the airline passengers with disabilities bill of rights initiated by Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and the entire U.S. Department of Transportation. It's actually about 10 rights, you know, Bill of Rights, 10 of them. And I'll get to one that I feel is most important in a minute because when we touched down from Texas this past March, her and her best friend's chairs were mangled. And I have to talk about this. It was an experience nonetheless, and they both got their chairs fixed. But here's what you need to know right now. Number seven of the Bill of Rights says, airlines must accept a battery-powered wheelchair if it fits in the cargo compartment and can be transported consistent with safety and security requirements. Should an airline lose, damage, or destroy the wheelchair or other assistive device, the airline, which happened in our case, must provide compensation in an amount up to the original price of the wheelchair or device. We're talking between $50,000 and $60,000. That's how much we're talking. And the airline did what they could. They did their part. But, of course, the frustration of it landing and seeing it mangled. We don't know how that happens. But what I'm more disturbed about is this had to be in the Bill of Rights. You're telling me not every airline obligated to this? I can't believe that. But when you make it a law, a federal law, a Bill of Rights for those with disabilities, it makes you think, yes, some airlines didn't want to cooperate. Shame on you, those airlines who don't cooperate, when you screw up royally someone's way of transportation while they're transported in the air. But I don't think uh, you should take it from me. Here is how the Bill of Rights is described by the Department of Transportation. As so many here know from personal experience, prior to the ACAA, air travel for passengers with disabilities was not guaranteed. Many were denied access altogether. So many of our most important moments in life depend on being able to get where you need to go. It is so central to our personal and professional lives. And if you're not able to travel solely because somebody has decided it is too hard to accommodate you, then your world almost literally shrinks. It's not fair, it's not right, and it's not smart for a country to constrict the lives of almost 
70 million Americans. So we know that transportation can be a barrier to accessibility, or it can be a way to break down barriers and allow everyone to reach their fullest potential. The ACAA just prohibits discrimination based on disability in air travel. And when it passed 35 years ago, it improved life for so many people in so many ways. The Air Carrier Access Act is one of America's great civil rights achievements. And the administration and, and this department are committed to making good on the promises of this legislation. Air travelers with disabilities deserve the same level of freedom and service as everyone else. That is now John Putnam, the U.S. Department of Transportation's general counsel. That's why we're excited to announce that DOT has published the Airline Passengers with Disabilities Bill of Rights to empower air travelers with disabilities to understand their rights and to help ensure that air carriers and their contractors uphold those rights. The Bill of Rights is an easy-to-use summary of the fundamental rights of air travelers with disabilities under the Air Carrier Access Act, which DOT developed with the participation of disability rights advocates, airline representatives, and others on the Air Carrier Access Act Advisory Committee. We hope you'll take a look at it before your next trip. Number one, the right to be treated with dignity and respect. Number two, the right to receive information about services and aircraft capabilities and limitations. Number three, the right to receive information in an accessible format. Number four, the right to accessible airport facilities. Number five, the right to assistance at airports. Number six, the right to assistance on the aircraft. Number seven, the right to travel with an assistive device or service animal. Number eight, the right to receive seating accommodations. Number nine, the right to accessible aircraft features. Number 10, the right to resolution of a disability-related issue. To learn more about the Bill of Rights for airline passengers with disabilities, visit transportation.gov slash disability bill of rights. You know, I will say the DOT, kudos to them for making this a uh, happening. But I will also add, I will also add this. What is the main concern, even in everyday life, for someone with disability and some and everybody able-bodied? It's safety. So yes, a moment like this, and we will get into this with Dana Bowman, who has had experience with air travel as a double amputee, um, actually lost his legs in a Army Golden Knight parachuting accident which cost him his legs and crash but his journey of traveling with his parachuting devices his prosthetic legs numerous prosthetic legs is a quite a trip we're going to air that full in just a moment uh, but i wrote an article which i'll link up in the description about the fact that our americans with disabilities and the disabled community truly protected we are seeing brazenness on our streets in New York City where a mayor's aide could be mugged at gunpoint with no, no worry whatsoever of any consequence. 
We're seeing 28 shot over the weekend. We're seeing everybody being vulnerable. And so Alvin Bragg and Mayor Adams and City Hall and even the federal level, we can take all the time we want. We can have galas. We can honor those with disabilities. We can call it Disability Pride Month. But come on. The safest thing right now we have to focus on is getting criminals off the streets to protect not only the able-bodied community, but of course the disabled-bodied community. We're all unsafe if we know these criminals are on the streets. And we deserve better as a whole, able-bodied or disabled. And speaking of New York City, I'm going to dig into this more. Did you see the Sunday Daily News expose on District 75 where Brooklyn uh, kids with disabilities were not treated well by their peers, not graduating on time? Mayor Adams has actually weighed in On this expose, today, as a matter of fact, and um, this article based on uh, a situation at Lillian Rashkis High School, which set up a bad situation for thousands of kids with emotional disabilities sent to District 75 Adam Banks, the school's chancellor, and the mayor are working on this specific district after the expose. But And the Daily News did not make it available for free. I believe we want to enhance, enhance accessibility. We make a story like this where you have, and I quote, how NYC sets up kids with emotional disabilities for failure. When you have that headline, that should not be restricted. That should not be put behind this paywall. That should not even be dealt with as subscription-based. This feels like a story the whole city needs to know, Daily News. So please, make it free. Even the mayor has now weighed in on this. That's how important your piece is. That's how important your piece is. Calling it a betrayal, calling it betrayed, significantly disabled students. This story is available without subscription. 10 current and former families and staffers were talked to by the news where District 75, these kids with emotional disabilities, faced routine violence in the school, receiving threadbare academic support and extracurricular activities. 9% of students who started ninth grade in District 75 went on to receive diplomas within six years, according to Independent Budget Office. This has been going on under Mayor de Blasio's watch. Don't ever touch Congress. Don't ever touch another political seat, Mayor de Blasio. I don't care how nice a guy you are. This is infuriating. More than 10 times as likely than their peers in, peer, uh, peers in traditional schools to be handcuffed by police because of the emotional instability, the emotional disability. This is disturbing. We need to get the whole expose published without uh, 
any subscription needing it. The Daily News broke this story on Sunday, and now the New York State Department of Education will be rolling out plans to zero in on District 79 and 75. That's why that expose needs to be allowed for all. When we come back, and I'll keep on this trail, uh, and I've emailed Michael Gartland, uh, sorry, Michael Elson Rooney, uh, one of the co-authors of this piece, and the main expose breaker. We're going to fix the situation for disabled kids in New York. It's ADA, ADA month. And of course, the discussion about people with disabilities should not stop beyond, uh, after July 31st. It should continue beyond. And beyond, beyond, that's why Adapting with Alex Garrett exists to continue the conversation on this podcast. And I hope to get in this fight with the Daily News to see how the DOE is handling all of this uh, after Sunday's expose. 9% of kids with disabilities graduating. Come on, District 75, what is up? Come on, former administration, where were you? And I think Mayor Adams is on the case. And I pray he gets the job done along with Chancellor Adam Banks for these kids' sakes. And for the city's sake. All right, coming up, my unlimited, meaning no commercials, conversation with Dana Bowman, the double amputee who continues to fly in, parachute in as a survivor of a paratrooper crash. He talks about his experience not only in the air, but on the ground and his motivational speaking tour, and uh, we'll, we'll get more on him. But, of course, you can find Dana Bowman. Find him at DanaBowman.com, the mission of the Halo for Freedom Warrior Foundation. DanaBowman.com. We'll get to him next. Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready? I know I am. Hey, I'm Alex Garrett, your host for this episode and everything Alex Garrett Podcasting. And this podcast specifically focuses on topics that should be trending. And, well, you know what they say, right? Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. Well, that line means so much to me. Find out why next on Alaska Podcasting, where we wear that shoe proudly. And indeed, that shoe is worn, that rollerblade is worn proudly, no matter where I go. And this is another edition of the Abilities Hour, which is an hour of the podcast, where we take time to talk to those who have overcome many challenges, and and shown their ability. And today, my next guest really focuses on that, so much so his tagline is, it's not the disability, it's the ability. That line, courtesy of Dana Bowman, who isn't afraid of anything, who is, I believe, a double amputee parachuter, paratrooper, who's been doing this for years. Dana, you and I first met at Mitchell Field for the Games for Physically Challenged, where you jumped in, at least two, three times uh, in, in consecutive years. 
And your name came to mind, actually, when someone nominated me as a top athlete, whatever, you know, because I was doing all that other stuff. I thought of you because you're one of the biggest, best athletes I know. Um, so Dana Bowman, for those who may not know you, tell, tell my listeners your story. Thanks for joining me this morning. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's been a long road. And what's really neat about it is going out there and still shoot, move, and communicate. That's what I did in the United States military. Uh, I was well um, spent time in the United States military working with the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and the Coast Guard. Um, So I got my 20 years in now, and I'm done, retired, but I still work for the United States military. Kind of back it up a little bit. I started as an engineer in the United States military, a heavy equipment operator. Started at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Lost in the woods, and then I um, on to Fort Lewis, Washington, where uh, was my first duty station, and it was just beautiful up there. Had a great time, great unit, and then I upgraded my uh, uh, leg status, which meaning I was not airborne at the time, not jumping out of planes or anything like that. Had no clue about airborne, so they um, sent me out to Fort Benning, from there, and then off to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, at the home of the Airborne. I had a great time. I was stationed in the 82nd Airborne, 307th Engineers, for three years. Spent my first combat tour, which is uh, a little uh, mission that we had in Grenada in 1983. Um, after I... Uh, Spent my three years with the A-2nd Airborne. I decided to up my goals a little bit, and I joined the Green Berets, the Special Forces, Mm. which was pretty awesome. So now I had a Red Beret, and then I had a Green Beret, and I loved uh, the United States Military Special Forces. They sent me to Panama, South America, and I spent 10 years there, Peru, Argentina, Venezuela, Ecuador, uh, stopping drugs coming back into America, a lot of foreign internal defense missions, and working with some great troops. Had some opportunities to work with the NSA, the CIA, DIA, uh, all these different agencies coming together and, you know, I said helping our country out. Um, So that was my first or my second um, stint in the United States military. As I stayed in the United States military, I um, uh, continued in the special forces, uh, went to ranger school, halo school, high altitude, low opening school, uh, sniper school, uh, just great. And then um, I continued to upgrade. And believe it or not, I joined uh, the Army's parachute team, the Gold Knights. Oh, Gold Knights are based in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, at the home of the Airborne, and they consist of 84 men and women. They make up the different military occupational skills known to me and you as jobs, and um, they're goodwill ambassadors. They're kind of like um, uh, being the United States Army's uh, elite uh, parachute team, like the different services have uh, – Blue Angels, the Thunderbirds, sure. the aerial demonstration teams. So I got to work with all these teams and uh, travel around, jump into air shows, and represent the United States Army. 
And and then in 1994, you have this tragic accident happen. Take us through that moment, and then life after was never going to be the same, was it? Oh no, not at all. I uh, on the Gold Knights Army parachute team, I was in the winter train up where we uh, go once a year, and we bring the teams together and we perfect our skydiving skills, and we do all kinds of different demonstrations aerial demonstrations, jumping out of planes and landing on these little tuffets and targets so that, you know, you can be a um, representative and show them United States military. Um, we, we did this maneuver called the demanding diamond track, which entails two jumpers to exit aircraft at right around 13,000 feet. They fly away from each other and they fly back towards each other. So your your objective on this diamond track is to make this red etched out diamond in the sky, starting at thirteen thousand feet. Meaning one guy jumps out of the plane, goes the opposite direction, and has smoke trailing from your ankles. Mm. So now you're on the ground and you're watching this. You see these two bomb bursts, one going to the left, one going to the right. They fly away from each other in about three designated altitude, about 7,500 feet above the ground. They turn around 180 degrees, and then they fly back towards each other. Now, remember, you're going, you're still coming down, and you're getting further and further away from each other. Then you turn around, you come back towards each other. So you finish the top half of the diamond. And then you come back, and you're supposed to cross at an altitude of 35 to 4,500 feet above the ground, and then open your parachutes up, come down, and land. Well, on the bottom half of this diamond track, February 6, 1994, about 10.30 in the morning, myself and my partner have just performed our sixth jump of that morning, and... This was our last one. We are going to get our break, and we were done for that weekend. We um, got closer and closer and faster and faster, and we uh, gained speeds of right around 300 miles an hour. On the cross, on the pass, believe it or not, my partner got a little too close. I seen him coming on me, but you could not change direction. Mm-hmm. And my partner went to put both arms out to fear off to move away and believe it or not his arm clipped both my legs and I had both my legs were cut off in midair now here's the crate and that is one insane part of it I didn't realize your partner also died almost on impact it seemed from what I read in the bio so I guess a couple questions firstly um do you ever suffer a case of survivor syndrome in addition to still missing your legs or how were you able to recover from all of this trauma and, and, and really still do this? Cause I know you still parachute to this day. So what was the first couple of years like and in getting back into it? Uh, you know, self pity, bitterness, depression. Sure. I mean, you get all that. I mean, I just had the best thing that I've ever done in the United States military, the military all was going down the drain. Like, you know, when you lose your legs, you're a different person. You're now disabled. 
you're you're a person that jumped out of planes and did all these things. United States military. I love the military. And then it was, you've got to leave the military. You've got to take your disability and we don't need you no more. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're not, you're not worth anything. And these were the things that were thrown at me. Um, I didn't want that. I had no clue about disabilities. I had, I couldn't even say the word of prosthesis. Mm or prosthetics or I had no there was nobody there to walk up to me and say oh, I'm, a, I'm a double amputee or I'm a single amputee or I've lost this this is what's happened oh my golly you're going to be fine you're going to do great it was the doctor saying you're not going to be the same for the rest of your life You're, and it was like very depressing I'm like I need some motivation I just lost my best friend. I lost both my legs. How in the heck is somebody going to come in there and just boost me up? I'm usually the guy boosting people up, you know? And I just, you know, I put my hand up. I don't want to hear this. Yeah. And I, so I started looking. You know, obviously I had to rehab. Uh, I went to the funeral seven days later. I um, was in Walter Reed Army Medical Center. Washington DC for about five or six months. Hmm. I I just had to continue and not give up. There was a lot of doubt in the United States military and I was still in the military and um, so I was on medical hold and believe it or not, five months after my accident I snuck out of the hospital and I went back to Fort Bragg, North Carolina and I made a parachute jump my first time with my Prosthesis. And um, I came back to the hospital that Monday and it freaked everybody out because I told them what I was going to do and they didn't take me seriously. You know, they said, well, what are you doing? You need a pass for the weekend? I said, yes. And it was about that five month mark, you know, which I was about going crazy in the hospital and, you know, I wanted to get and do something. And so. There was a wedding jump of a former Golden Knight that was there, and they kept coaxing me down, saying, come on, come on down, you can jump out, you you know, we can make this together, and sure enough, I went down there, I did it, and believe it or not, that jump, with the video and the pictures of that jump, when I came back to the hospital, showed them that I could still do this, and I could do it safely, and believe it or not, nine months after my tragedy triumph, arose, I became the first double amputee to re-enlist back in the United States military. In front of God and country, I parachuted back in with the Gold Knights, Maine Post Brayfield, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, at the home of the airport. They gave me a chance to come back, and I did. Well, that is amazing. By the way, North Carolina seems to be the home of some really amazing comeback stories. You, you sort of were like Michael Jordan, right? You went undercover going to North Carolina to go back and do it. Remember, uh, Jordan actually rehabbed his knee down there at UNC. So uh, I could see in North Carolina, there's a lot of spirit there, and, and certainly you have that. So you start doing this more and more, and then you end up at the games for the Physically Challenge, which is where I met you, um, in Nassau County, New York. And I tell you, you really inspired a lot of the kids that day. I don't know if you know that or not, but when you jumped in, there was a lot of excitement uh, from the kids that, that saw you jump in. Yeah, that was one of my highlights of um, 
being able to give back and especially to the physically challenged, um, you know, because we all have some type of a disability, believe it or not. Yeah, really think about it. Not like, that's what my motto is. It's not the disability, it's the ability. I love that. And, <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, I do remember that um, that incredible jump up there for all those kids and all the uh, participants of the games up there. And I, I really, I tell that story all the time because it was a little unique being in New York and in between uh, JFK and LaGuardia and, and bringing a helicopter down for the parachute drop. And it just was a, a, a normal helicopter. I mean, this helicopter came from East, East Hampton and it was a Black Hawk helicopter. It was a military helicopter. And not everybody gets to jump out of a, you know, Black Hawk helicopter. Sure. And mm-hmm. obviously being retired now, leaving the military, you have to have some type of credentials. And, you know, obviously my credentials still weighed on and helped that out. But this this helicopter team that came down there was, I mentioned East Hampton, and it was the search and rescue um, squadron up there. And I don't know if you remember the movie, The Perfect Storm. No, uh, I, I, where, I'm a little, I do not there, there was a helicopter and they were out there. It was just a, there was a perfect storm and they went out. This helicopter went out and to save life, obviously, and you would not believe in the incredible, uh, time that they fly in these horrible, uh, storms to save people's lives and ships out in the ocean. Well, the same helicopter, believe it or not, crashed. And, uh, if you, have seen that movie, you know that the, the the main pilot died because he drowned in this helicopter. But this was the same helicopter. This was the same crew that flew out there to pick me up, to jump me in for the games. And I just thought it was pretty awesome to meet those guys and, you know, be the only guy in this huge Blackhawk helicopter to jump in for the games. And I mean, that's patriotism, you know, to bring the American flag in, to be a double amputee and to have the freedom that you are, even having your disability and people believe in you. Um, you know, because of what I did in the United States military by being the first double amputee to reenlist back in the army, it changed the mindset of the United States military. And that was the same time that they started changing saying, okay, you have a disability, uh, do you want to stay or do you want to go? It did not matter. They, 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 they knew that it was time for us to have uh, people with disabilities. And, you know, because there's, there's something for all of us. We can, we, we might, you know, I might jump out of a plane differently than you would if you had two arms and two legs. Guess what? I have over 4,000 jumps now. I have 32 parachutes. And and let me tell you, when I left the United States military, I went to college and I got my aeronautics degree. I became the first WFT helicopter instructor in the world. So I flew airplanes, seaplanes, helicopters, hot air balloons. I did it all and became an instructor. And 
you know, you could do anything and you have to tell people and show people, you know, people with disabilities always have to, you know, surprise people, show them that you can do this safely. You know, I would but, say we got to smash stigmas almost every day of our lives. You know what I mean? And and show that we can have the ability. Now, I'm talking with Dana Bowman. You can actually find him out at DanaBowman.com. And he's just not he's not just jumping with as WMBT. He's putting more into it, into the community. He has the Halo for Freedom Warrior Foundation. So let's go to today. We've been in this massive lockdown, quarantine. And so... I got I got to ask have people come to you saying yeah I'm not I'm feeling down about all this how are you lifting people up during this time um where where uplift is so needed right now You know obviously being from I live in Texas outside of Fort Worth I'm in Weatherford Texas and um yeah the, they they have the masks going on around Texas and I'm gonna tell you we're about sick of it. We, we want to get moving. All right. I've already been to about eight different states uh, for the last few months, parachuting into rodeos, awesome. um, golf events, uh, special events, especially for the kids. Um, it's it, You can't give up. Sure, it's a tough time, but, you know, we might be a little bit different than where you're at up in New York or in the surrounding areas, the guys do not like it here in Texas. Mm-hmm. We we are wanting to get back to work, and they are. We are wanting to get our kids back to school, and they are. Right, because you and can't parachute in a Zoom call, right, Dana? So That's right. Yeah, I've done some Zoom conferences in the last few months. Um, yeah, it's what a big change. You know, my kids are both in college now. I have twin girls. And they're 20 years old, and yes, they do not like staying on the internet. You know, mm. they want to be hands on. This is America. We can get over this. Guys, gals, you know, the elections are coming up right around the corner. We need to take our country back. This well, and I didn't know if you want to go there. I didn't know if you want to go there, and I'm glad you did because when you mentioned Fort Bragg, in this day and age, now we're saying that's not a name that should be on a fort. Are we kidding ourselves? Like, I mean, you should write a letter saying, don't remove this. Look at the good that Fort Bragg did for me. I don't know if you, if you want to do that or not, but it's true. There are good stories that happen and the names are now being removed. I can't understand it, Dana. It's our history. You know, look what our forefathers have done for us. We wouldn't have the freedom that we have right now if it wouldn't be for what our guys and gals, look at our Vietnam veterans. I mean, we, they fought, they got spat on, they had a horrible time. And I, you know, I try to do as much as I can do for, especially for our Vietnam veterans. And you know what? They're all dying because they have Agent Orange. Uh, There are more Korean War veterans alive now, you know, and they were before Vietnam. Um, We can't forget about our guys and what they've done. And that's why they have these statues and these stories of our forefathers and Sure, there was slavery. I mean, that's part of the history, you know. But you know what? We're being torn apart mm. with the black and the white. I'm getting ready to go to Fort Irwin to go do a presentation, and I have to do it on racialism. And I have to do it, which is ridiculous. I mean, why can't we all just get along? It's mm. ridiculous. Uh, 
we have to take our country back. You know, we have to be unity. I mean, we're we're a, a proud U.S. country, and we're looking like Venezuela. We're looking like all these other countries that are just killing and tearing their countries apart. Antifa, yeah, terrorists, terrible terrorists, and don't think that they're not, folks. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm undecided. We have to get our country back. If we don't, we're at a turning point right now. There will be a civil war. There will be tearing up. We will be like Venezuela. It's going to be ugly. We mm. got to stop this. I truly, I, I don't think that's fear mongering. I think that's truth. I really do because already we're getting checks by the mail, and that's kind of something. I feel as an example of socialism, right? You give $1,200 for nobody to do anything. It just, you get them used to that. And I don't want to be used to that, if that makes sense. Uh, it sounds like you don't either. And you you do have that American spirit of up and going and not, you know, not letting anything stop you. And now we're literally being told we have to stop everything. That's not the American spirit, right, Dana? Not at all. Not at all. People are getting, you know, worse out there on the traveling because it makes you bitter. It you know, when you've changed the things that we've done to get our life to obviously we grow up, we get educated, we have kids, we have family, we're proud of our family, what they do. Uh, they could join the military, they go to college, they do all these things. My son just graduated uh, in, uh, I'm trying to think, May, just in May, and he wasn't able to go to school for several months and he didn't didn't finish with his classmates it we lost a piece of that at graduation that you know and this is what's happening out there and and i see it every day dana i'm so glad you're talking about this because i think also as someone with a disability or someone who overcomes everything like you and i do um we won't be known for our thoughts more so than our actions like yeah, it's cool. I rolled my one leg, but yeah, I should be able to think freely too. You know what I mean? I, I'm fighting that every day. I don't know if you feel you are too, but I definitely am uh, fighting that ability to have free speech and say what I want. And just because we're disabled, we don't have to go to a party line. You know, I, I think there's that too. We're kind of couched in like, you should be this way because you're this way. No, we're free thinkers, aren't we? Dana. I don't know if I lost him there. Uh, let's see. Danny, you there? No, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I, I don't know if you caught what I just said, but I was saying that no, be I heard you. because we have certain things, we are sort of couched in a certain way. Like you are this way. So you have to think this way. And you and I are like, no, we have our own thoughts. Thank you very much. Yes, we do. We do. And some people don't like that. Huh? And, uh, you know, I'm, I, and let me tell you, like I said, it's this COVID deal is killing our country right now. Um, and if you look at the statistics on people with flu or car accidents or whatever, we have more of the flu, the, the different other things that are going on in our, our, our United States on people uh, being infected with, you know, whatever it is. There is more of that than there is of the COVID. You know, I don't know if it's, uh, they, they want to keep telling you that people are 
everyone has it. Um, I've had employees of mine here in Texas to go down and get um, tested and try to stand in a line for a day mm. to get tested when you say, this is it, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be here. And they leave, they didn't get tested, but they did sign up. And two days later, they call them back and they say, guess what? <laughs> You've got the COVID and they never got tested. It's ridiculous. What, you know, because, okay, these, these hospitals, if you walk in there, you have COVID it, and we've heard these stories and they're, they're true. Because I've seen it with my own employees here in Texas. And it's just ridiculous because if you have people that come to your hospital and they test positive, then guess what? You get relief from the federal government. You get mm-hmm. money. So we tell our employees, okay, guys, everybody has COVID. They walk in. If they <laughs> die in a car accident, they died of COVID. If they, if they, you know, are in a train accident, they die, they had COVID. And it's just ridiculous. And this, there's these numbers and these, it's a political deal. It's ridiculous. I mean, this is all we're seeing out there. Okay. I wear a mask. Okay. When they make me wear a mask. I mean, why do you drive down a road and you're the only person in the car and you have a mask on? It's ridiculous. You know, Dana, I we heard on, I, I heard on the bus yesterday. Keep in mind, I'm in the city where we had rioting and looting and breaking of stores and everything. I heard on the bus, oh, if you don't wear your mask, a cop's going to come on and and enforce that. I'm like, how are you telling that to the people that are breaking into our stores or no? You know, it's like they're, right, they're right. targeting the wrong people to enforce, and it sickens me. Uh, but I've got to ask you this because a lot of – you just mentioned, you know, you, you can't go to the hospital if it's COVID. In your company, in your, you know, foundation, did you hear any stories of people saying, yeah, I needed to get this? But I couldn't because they canceled elective surgeries. Have you had any stories like that come your way? Oh, absolutely. You know, and and I did. And you were sad about this. They tell you that the COVID, um, you go down for the COVID and go get your testing. Listen, it's not free. You're paying for it. There is four or $500 in Texas. If you go down and you go get tested, you're paying four or $500. These people, anybody, if you want to get tested, you might as well forget it. You're, you're paying. Uh, I mean, so there's no free check you out and, you know, make you safe and all that other stuff. And then on top of that, they're going to tell you you have it. So you're getting double whammy. Now, um, the surgeries, yes. Uh, I mean, I know that for a fact because I had surgery. I did have during the COVID and I went to the VA and, 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 and I had some minor surgery and all that stuff, but you know, golly, it, it is, it's just like we have a, a movie that's one of those places where everybody in the world has COVID and you, you know, you have to be six feet away from each other. And then you're flying the airplane and you're setting 20, inches away from somebody right but 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 no no we're social distancing and but we're going to be max capacity on the airplane now what is the difference between social distancing in six feet away from each other (laughs) or being right next to somebody on an airplane because you have to fly on an airplane is so stupid 
I just do not get it. Just think about that. Okay, you got a mask on, you're in an airport, you have to do social distancing. But we're going to cram you all on the airplane. It's got 100% people in there, and then you got the flight attendant up there. Pull your mask up over your nose, you know? Yeah. Well, let me ask I don't about know if you've, been, if you've been on an airplane. I have several times now. It's ridiculous. Wearing a mask. You're about to suffocate with the mask on anyway. On top of that, and I just want you know if you're if you fly on any airline, um, if you have a bag of chips and you have a water with you in your hand the whole time, you don't have to wear your mask because you're eating. Okay, <laughs> so you just take your mask down and you pretend that you're eating and. You won't have to wear your mask. Dana, especially so. at that altitude. I mean, you don't want to have the mask on at that altitude. So let me ask you this. Now, let's have a little fun with this. So you have prostheses, uh, even if not during COVID. Any crazy prostheses stories where you might have gotten them lost thanks to the airplane, airport, or something? Like any crazy travel stories that you want to share with us during this journey? Well, you know, after all these years with hundreds of different types of prosthetics um, for running, jumping, flying, uh, snow skiing, water skiing. I have them all. Um, yet traveling, my baggage is always very heavy because of all my prosthetics and the parts and pieces that you need. Um, it's, uh, you know, polishing on them up, um, going through, you know, big thing is going through airports because, you know, I'm jumping out of a plane and I use smoke that's connected to my ankle on my prosthetics for the jumping so you can visually see me. When I jump out, it looks really cool with the American flag. And I do jump a 2,000-square-foot flag in when I come in every jump. And so I got this residue from this smoke canister that is um, obviously um, uh, it's kind of like a um, the material they use for explosives. So now I'm coming through the airport and they're going to swab my legs. And I usually wear shorts when I'm coming through the airports. And obviously, you know, coming, coming through, they're going to wand you, you know, pat you down, swab you, check you out. And me being military, I have my military ID card. And these guys will they have their little wand and they'll beep and, and your shorts and they'll say, it'll beep, beep. Uh, sir, sir, what's in your pocket? Um, you know, I'm, I'm shorts on. I've got, I've got prosthetics. It's my prosthetic. I love. It. Well, can you? There's something hard right there. What is that? It's my prosthetic, sir. And so, um, you know, they swab you down, and all of a sudden they say, "Up." Oh, it, it, it's not clear, you know, because it says you have something. And we have to do another check. Like, golly, this is explosive. What have you been? And you tried to explain it to it. And you might even have your some of your parachute gear with you. It's the people have no common sense. They don't understand. So they hold you up and they have to bring the bomb dogs down and, and all the EOD guys. And they have to come down there and check you out. And nine times out of ten, I know these guys. And they're like, oh, my God, it's Bowman. You know, he's. <laughs> Jumping out of a plane. Oh, we know this guy. Headline news, over 250 international TV shows. I'll be lucky if they do know me. And then 
you know, then they have to do more tests. It's not like a common sense thing. I'm not a terrorist, okay? I'm uh, full-fledged. I have an American flag on my prosthetic leg. I mean, I am, I bleed red, white, blue, and I've been doing it ever since, but there is no common sense when it comes to these guys and gals, some of them, through these TSAs oh. that need to be educated or we need to start at the top and bring it down. You know, if you go overseas and you're in Germany, they do it differently. They know. They 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 don't do the nonsense thing. Okay? You can go to Japan and you can have water on the airplane. You can bring on water on play airplane. You know why? They have a little tester. You just stick it in there. Okay, you could go. Take it. Well, we got all these getting ripped off by our government and all these people coming up with all these gadgets and goojits and whatever to check your stuff out. And they still sneak crap on. And, you know, we're getting hosed here. No, Dana, I'll tell you, I went to uh, South Carolina for a doctor's appointment. And both times up and down, up. Uh, down to South Carolina, back up. They had to swab me and my crutches and my roller skate. And it's like, I, I don't get what it's for. You know, it just, it doesn't make sense. So I, I feel you there. Um, you mentioned family and I want to ask you about that. So when this thing, when this tragic accident happens in 94, how strong was family back then? Were you married at that point or not yet? What was that dynamic like after your accident? You know, I was married, um, probably about eight days before my accident. And so it was brand new. Um, and believe it or not, when I was in the hospital, she did not want to be there. She did not like the guy that had no more legs. I mean, she was, she was somebody that looked at you like, Oh, I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be here. This guy was my guy that jumped out of planes and he did all these incredible things. It was special forces and oh, big, bad, you know, military guy. And then now he's disabled. So believe it or not, my wife left me when I was in the hospital. And, um, that was it with that. You know, I, I recovered by myself and had to be strong, uh, through those doctors and for the sneaking out and, joined it back in the military. And so I, you know, after I left the military in my 20 years and I, that's what I did. I still, that's how I met you guys up in New York and, uh, with still jumping, still speaking, motivational speaking. And I went to UND aerospace up in North Dakota, got my aeronautics degree and I moved to Texas. And believe it or not, when I was at UND aerospace, I met a lady up there and I got married and, um, I had twin girls and brought my girls to Texas and, um, you know, I've been here ever since Amazing. and I've traveled all over the United States. I do about 100 demo jumps a year and have some great parachute stories. And I always tell some great stories, um, from, you know, flying or jumping or just meeting some incredible heroes. I met the, the guys, the Boston bombing, I met, you know, um, almost all the Medal of Honor recipients in the United States military, our Vietnam veterans, our, you know, Korean War veterans, our last guys that are gone now are Tuskegee Airmen, 
I mean, we've yeah. we've lost a lot of heroes, and we do every day. And you know, these poor veterans now are really suffering over this because you know they say the older you are, the more susceptible you are to this COVID deal. And you know, so they're all not coming out. They're not going. Up. People are not driving. They're fighting. They're you know because they watch TV. They watch the internet. Right. They scare them to dickens. Well, by the way, I, I do love the stories of we're seeing like a 99-year-old or a 100-year-old who survived World War II, survived this too. It's like, wow, that's that's amazing. And it really goes to show the tenacity, right? So if you're 100 and surviving, that means you're tenacious. And just like you are, Dana, right? So I think there's a lot of correlation between staying active, staying fit, and staying healthy. No, it really is. Is there a time where someone may not may catch you without you wearing the legs? Has you know? Uh, do you ever have a downtime where you're not wearing them and just because I know it sometimes it may get a little too much. But but are there any times where you don't wear it? No, I I I have not. I keep my legs on all day long, and I I just I do whatever I can do. I mean, that's that's part of me. Have you, so so I'm guessing you didn't wear a mask during these parachutes during COVID, which I'm very proud of that, to hear that. So what was that like for you? It must have felt uplifting for yourself and for those around you that saw you come in. Like, yes, we're doing this, we're during this time, but Dana's uplifting us right now. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, just, just trying to not give up. And on top of that, to inspire, um, I had tons of events were canceled after this uh, COVID thing. And it just, you know, obviously it's my revenue. When I go out and jump and speak, I get paid for a lot of this stuff. And, you know, and then when you get something changed your whole life like that, you know, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to upset everything that you do. You know, Um, economy's been tough. And yet, here you are. You're still doing so. But you did mention you do, did do some events. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about? You did some rodeos. Was this during the pandemic? Oh, during the pandemic. Yep. And you don't want to hear some. Yeah. I did one here in Weatherford, Texas, where I live at, and it was a uh, you know it was last month, and uh, I got invited to come into the uh, rodeo and jump in on Friday and Saturday. But what happened was months earlier, they called me and they go, Dana, because the, you know, the, the sheriff's posse called me and said, we're, we're canceling. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, this is our, this is where we live at. I mean, this is, you know, where I live at in Texas is awesome. These people are awesome. They don't, they don't like this COVID thing. And, and I said, you guys are bowing down. And you are not, you have to have some balls to go out there and, you know, just say, hey, we're going to come community. We're going to do this. And this is no kidding. So they called and they canceled. And and I was, I called my friends. I went, you believe this? They, they canceled. I mean, now we're going to be like everybody else. Just cancel everything. Make it even more miserable for people. I mean, these poor kids just couldn't have a graduation. And. And all these kids in town and everybody just love, we love the rodeo. I mean, everybody goes to it and I get to jump into it, you know, 
And, and then all of a sudden I get a phone call back about, I think it was a day later. And they said, Oh, oh we're back on, we're back on. I'm like, Oh, thank God. Thank God. But they had changed it for, you know, weeks later. Sure. We know Dana. So it's interesting. Guess what? We pulled this thing off. We had over 7,000 people there. And you want to hear something? Absolutely. We, we made headline news. If you pull up Weatherford, Texas, and you want to you want to see the picture, the media came and says, "Oh my golly, this is not a COVID safe place." Seven thousand people, not one person had a mask on. Okay, Amazing. now obviously the first thing I'm going to say, "Oh my God, the cases are increasing," and then you know obviously the governor has to get involved, and the <laughs> judges have to get involved, and then they're all freaking out about it because we had a great week raise the money, we give the money to the disabled, we give it to the schools. We, you know, we, we were Americans. And I'm going to tell you, we're proud Americans, proud Texans. You know, we have one statue in town here, and it's a, from the Civil War. And, um, you know, they obviously, they, you know, people from Houston had come down and tried to, tear it down here. And I'm going to tell you, you don't want to come to Weatherford or any place in Texas because we have every gun in America here. And we will protect what we have mm. here in Texas. You're not going to take our statue down. You know, we we believe in it. Hey, I, you know, let me tell you something. So I jumped in the rodeo, right? Sure. You want to hear something? I do. My video of me jumping in the rodeo it went 2.4 million people. Yeah, I'm sure that you can probably even pull it up. I did get on a couple TV shows uh, because of it. It was a big deal. Danny, you know, I didn't, I didn't really give a context of the jumping at the games. I was about five or six. So this was about 20, 25 years ago, 20 years yes. ago when I first met. Yeah, 25 now, when I first met you. And so you're still jumping 20-something years later. So... What's it like jumping at 30 compared to jumping now? Is there a difference? Is the is the body maintenance different than it was back then? What's it like jumping now? Well, worn and torn. That's what it's about. I broke a lot of prosthetic limbs on my way down. I, um, I'm a well-seasoned paratrooper, okay, that hasn't give up, given up. I mentioned I have over 30 parachutes, over 4,000 jumps. You know, um, I can land on that small little spot still. I And, you know, when am I going to stop? Well, you know, maybe it's coming close, real close. But you know what? They love patriotism. Mm. You know, there's not a whole lot of people that bring a 2,000-square-foot flag in and be trained by the Gold Knights and still land on that target safely, you know? Mm. Um, so... Uh, and and I don't know if the listeners, your crowd that listen to you on your podcast, that uh, you know what their views on that. But uh, let me tell you, that jump that I did in the rodeo just several weeks ago, and then I went up to Sturgis. I did another jump in there, and it was the same deal there. I got on national news, was on Fox and Friends, and the first thing they said on there, you know, people trying to. Portray over top of it. Oh my golly, the COVID cases 
in Sturgis with all these big bad bikers. It's just rampant, which it wasn't. They they bring these stories up to frighten people, and I don't know why. But so this headline news, this picture of myself coming in there, I uh, believe it or not, you know, we know who our president is, President Trump, and and we love our president, mm. especially Texas, and and more and more of it. We're wanting to get our country back. By the way, Dana, everybody loved Trump before he was. Everybody loved Trump before he was president. I don't know what changed, but everybody. Rappers wanted to be like him. Uh, disabled community welcomed him with open arms, by the way. We would have him at the Viscardi school. school would, so I don't know what changed. But I think it's, I hate to say it's kind of because of the R, but I think it's because of the R next to his name. I just have to say that. I, I think that's well, part of it. Well, well, so I just want to tell you that I mentioned I have 32 parachutes. I am the only one in the United States that has, and I'm proud of it too, that has the Trump parachute. And I jumped that parachute into all these places I go. And I'm going to tell you, people love it. We know that we're going to get our country back. We have to. If we don't, if we don't win this election in November, then yes, we should be frightened. Okay. You should be. Dana, we need we, to get it back. When you come back on, I love to get you on video too, because you've got quite a story and I want to put this on my YouTube as a video as well. So when we do another one, let's definitely zoom this because this is a this is some great stuff. And and you've met him personally or no? I have not yet, but since I'm jumping his parachute, I'm going to. And um, I've already been invited. Now it doesn't matter whether I meet him or not. I just know that I see what it is in people about saving our country, mm. stopping Antifa, tearing up our country, fighting with each other, blacks and whites, okay? It, we need to get along, and we can, and we did. We didn't start this, okay? We're, the Republicans are, are, are not out there, uh, you know, tearing down statues. Right. Who is doing it? Come on. By the way, know. there weren't even any riots outside the Biden campaign speech, so, you know, nomination speech. So you tell me about that one. You know, it just... it. it 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 proves to me something that, yeah, there is a, a leftist thing going on. I'm not going to relent in saying that because how can you explain no mob outside Biden's speech but a mob outside Trump's speech? Uh, there's no there's no question what that is. There's no. Question. I'm with you. I'm with you, brother. So I've got to ask you one one. Uh, well, really, this every jump since you've had this happen and you overcame this and and everything. Do you do it for your partner that did die in that crash? Do you do, do you say, I'm going to jump for uh, my friend, uh, Jose Aguilon, Sergeant Aguilon, every jump? Like, do you dedicate that to him, even if you don't say it in mind and spirit? Absolutely. Listen, you know, I know he'd be proud to see what I've done. You know, what happened to us when we hit each other, it was an accident. Accidents happen every day. You just have to overcome that. And I'm sure there's people in here that are listening that have some type of a disability and some tragedy, something, why them, why did this happen to me? Or, or a lot of times we don't know, you know, God knows. Okay. We don't, but we had, we, there's people that love you. Okay. We have a big problem and don't think it's not in America in the military of uh, suicide. And so it's not like, 
you hear the uh, 22 soldier service members kill themselves a day and listen to me. They're Americans kill themselves. They're more, more thousands of people kill themselves every day because they get depressed. Mm. Don't think that people haven't committed suicide because of what's going on in our country right now. Yes, they are. And I'm going to tell you, those people that are, are horrible people that are, that are tearing up our country, they're going to pay. Dana, I will tell you, they, they think that keeping us inside is the safest thing, but really it is killing us because of the suicide rate, as you mentioned. Yes. And, um, and so I guess I, I started this with the case of the Mondays because I woke up fired up today. I said, it's not going to be just another, you know, draw Monday. We're going to make something of it. Do you ever get that depression still, or are you pretty much past that? Like, how do you make sure you don't get the case on Mondays and just keep going? Uh, you know, I, um, yes, I get, I still get, um, sometimes I get to, you know, wake up and just think about, I'm alive. You know, sure, you know, there's going to be things thrown out, thrown at us every day of our life. We got to, and there's going to be other people that be worse off, too. You know, um, I, just like when I, I tell a little story about when I was, when I, when I was in the United States military, I seen a guy in a wheelchair and I walked by him and I probably didn't say hi. I just looked at him and say, Ooh, mm. I didn't want to be there. You know, mm. I mean, I mean, really, I looked at this guy like, Ooh, God, hate to be him, you know, and never even leaving thought about it. that's how normal people with two arms two legs do they walk by somebody and just look at them and maybe disgust maybe saying you know poor guy or mm. whatever and then and then no kid i become a double amputee i'm in a wheelchair and you know what i seen that soldier walk by me do that same look that i just did mm. And now I got it. I get it. Okay. It took me being a guy that had it all and down to here, no legs, one above the knee, one below the knee in a wheelchair. Now I'm disabled. And, and I'm going to tell you, people look at people differently with disabilities and we don't want to be looked at like that. Because I remember what I did. And sure, I was wrong, you know, but that's all the things that, like I said, these listeners and people that have two arms and two legs or have some type of a small disability. Remember, we all have a disability. Your disabilities are the things you think you can't do. Mm. Remember all these things I just told you, being a pilot, jumping out of a plane, um, shoot, move, and communicate. I'm still out there actively doing all this stuff. I might walk differently, and I, you know what? I might get in that airplane and fly that different that airplane differently. But guess what? I have a first class medical. Mm. I fly. I've been checked out by the FAA. I have a statement of demonstrated ability certificate that being checked out, I can fly helicopters, seaplanes, multi engine airplanes. I can fly them all. And and can you do that? Okay, you know, you can if you want to. Of course. Go out there. Hey, Dana, I'm talking about Dana Bowman. He is a double amputee, paratrooper, parachuter. He try, 
now I find out he flies the only Trump parachute, and I'm very excited to to hear that, Dana, and, and that's very cool. But you mentioned God, you, you mentioned about walking past the soldier in the wheelchair, and now how you've been in that role too now. But God, where has God played in your uh, in in all of this for you? Uh, you know, I wouldn't be alive if uh, if God was not there for me. I mean, because remember, I lost it all. I had nowhere to turn. You know, it's, um, you know, we, we need to keep our faith. That's what keeps our country going, okay? In God we trust. We see that. We see a lot of it going away, too. We can't forget that. You know, in faith, all can be healed. You know? Because there's there's a lot of stories in the Bible where something happens to someone because God has a plan for them. I mean, maybe it's too crap, but do you think this was God's plan for you? Uh, or, or how do you feel about that idea? I'm sure it is, you know, uh, because I've had people that had tried to divert me and stop me and move me over and say, well, this is, you know, you can't do this, like join the United States military again. You can't, uh, you can't. Yeah, you can't. I had all these people. Oh, you can't do this jump, whatever. And no kidding. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I'm being guided every day in the right direction. And you know what? If it's not meant to be, then no worries. I, then I then I'm not supposed to be doing that. But I'm telling you, I've been the the, the doors open. Mm. The, they, you know, I'm able to do all these incredible things because I'm sure there's still something else else out there. He's helping me. Mm. He protects me. And I'm telling you, I've been in, even being the double MT, I've had some squirrely jumps and, and landings and things like that. And, and I mean, just, you can only imagine all the places I go. And if I do something, I gotta be safe. I, I don't want to die. You know, I almost died. Mm. But and guess what? I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Dana, I think there's a reason why you and I reconnected. There's this is not by accident. So I'm very glad that we had this hour. It's I'm going to put this in a, in a podcast segment called the Abilities Hour, where I yes. talk to people who have been overcoming a lot. And it's the hour where we just talk about, you know, our abilities. And I think we need to talk about more because I think, as you say, and as I've seen and I've been told. There are a lot of people that say, no, you can't do this. Well, yes, we can. And we are, plain and simple. Right. Plain and simple. And so, uh, Dana Bowman, thank you so much for this beautiful hour of conversation. And I got a little insight into you more than just seeing you jump out of the plane at like six years old. I get to know you a little more today. So <laughs> I'm very excited about that. And I, I was talking to my dad yesterday. I said, you know, you remember when he went around, he was giving out those signed pictures? I remember that because I think you literally – Took uh, you knelt right in front of me to give me the picture. I, I kind of have that visual of that, so I'll, I'll never forget those days. And, and um, thanks for reconnecting. I'm glad we had this hour today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for starting my great morning. And uh, let's do this again sometime. Okay, we'll do it. All right, I'm Alex Garrett. That's Dana Bowman. This is the Abilities Hour on Alex Garrett Podcasting. And please do not get a case of the Mondays. Start your week out, uh, you know, pretty damn good on a high energy level. We'll talk to you soon.